Amen. If that's your testimony, will you say amen? amen? Jesus died for me. I trust that's your personal testimony. Thank you, students from Faith, for your ministry to us in music. We're so glad that you could be with us this morning. I invite you to turn with me in your copy of the Holy Scriptures to Genesis 36 as we continue our journey through the Old Testament book of, of Genesis. Most of you know that I was homeschooled growing up. Back in the day before homeschooling was a thing. In fact, I I believe that my parents were pioneers in the homeschool movement beginning in 1981. And I'm grateful for that experience. I rise up and call my parents blessed for they provided a happy, healthy Christian home for me and my sister. However, there was one thing that was odd about my childhood. There were a few things that were odd about my childhood. But I'm going to tell you one of the things that was odd about my childhood, and that was that my mother, uh, my mother liked to take us to visit cemeteries to teach us lessons about people from history. For example, I've been to Arlington National Cemetery in Washington, D.C., to the tomb of the unknown soldier and to John F. Kennedy's grave there with the eternal burning flame. Perhaps you've been there as well, but we didn't go there as tourists, you see. We went there um, as a homeschool field trip, or as my mother liked to call them, destination classrooms, she would say. So we go to the the cemetery for for our classroom. I've been to Jonathan Edwards' grave in Princeton, New Jersey. I've been to D.L. Moody's grave in Northfield, Massachusetts. I've been to Westminster Abbey in London, which, which is actually not a church. It's actually an indoor cemetery, and there more than 30 kings and queens are buried along with others like Sir Isaac Newton and George Frederick Handel. I've been to Horatio Spafford's grave, the Mount Zion Cemetery in Jerusalem, and I, I've been to many, many other cemeteries of, of people whose names you would never know, you would never recognize. And, And it's really a dark way to learn a history lesson. On the other hand, it's also very enlightening. When you walk through a cemetery and see the names of people you didn't know, the dates they're listed of their birth and their death, it causes you to wonder about people in the past. Who were these people? What did they do? What were they like? Who were they? Does anybody remember their stories? In Genesis 36, we have a virtual walk through a virtual cemetery, as it were. It's a list of names of people who've been dead and gone for nearly 4,000 years. And Genesis 36 gives us the record of those people, the sons and the daughters of Esau, the descendants of Esau. Look at Genesis 36, verse number one. Now, this is the genealogy of Esau, who is Edom. And as our eyes scan the names listed throughout this chapter, we, we ask, who were these people? And why are their names forever immortalized in the pages of Scripture? This morning, I would propose to you, as I've written there at the top of your notes, that Esau and his descendants were some of the most successful failures in all of human history because they achieved so much in this life, but they rejected the one who gave them life. And the same applies for us today. We find success in life, but perhaps failure in death if we reject the God who made us. 
So from Genesis 36, I prepared a message titled, The Most Successful Failure. Let's pause for prayer, shall we? God in heaven, we thank you so much for your grace, your grace alone that saves us from our sin. Lord, this morning as we come to Genesis 36 and we read the the list of, of names, the descendants of Esau, Lord, they were successful in life, but a failure in death because they did not trust and obey and follow the God of heaven. Lord, I pray that you would give us insight and understanding this morning from the scripture. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So I turn to Genesis 36, as you have now, and, and I find it difficult to pronounce all the names that are listed here in this biblical genealogy. And then I also, I find it at first meaningless to read all of the names of this biblical genealogy, the one that is before us. And, and we ask why. Why did God compel Moses to record these names in this chapter for those in his day, and then why did God preserve them for us in our day? And I'll answer those questions here just by way of introduction. First, Genesis 36 was recorded for those in Moses' day. You see, those in Moses' day were to conquer the promised land, and the names that are mentioned here, the descendants of Esau, the Edomites, were those that were enemies of the children of Israel and lived along the border of the promised land. And so as Israel was to take the promised land, they would come across these people. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 2, God commanded Israel, saying this, you are about to pass through the territory of your brethren, remember Jacob, now Israel, the children of Jacob, the children of Israel are related to the children of Esau, the children of Israel, the children of Esau, They're your brethren, the descendants of Esau, who live in Seir. Seir is Edom. And they will be afraid of you, not so much to shrink away from you, but to rush out and challenge you because of the threat that you pose. Therefore, watch yourselves carefully. Do not meddle with them, for I will not give you any of their land. No, not so much as one footstep, because I have given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. And so God purposed to give the children of Israel, the children of Jacob, the promised land. And God purposed to give Esau and the descendants of Esau, the Edomites, their own land to the south and the east of the Dead Sea in the land of Seir or, or Edom. And so Moses is writing Genesis 36 to inform the people of his day regarding the descendants of Esau, but then also... Genesis 36 was recorded by Moses for us in our day so that we could learn. Romans chapter 15, verse 4, whatever things were written before were written for our learning so that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scripture, might have have hope. So what can we in our day learn from this virtual cemetery, this list of those who have died and gone Genesis 36, verse number one. Now, this is the genealogy of Esau, who is Edom. Esau took his wives from the daughters of Canaan. Ada, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. Aholabama, the daughter of Anna, the daughter of Zibion, the Hivite. And Basemath, Ishmael's daughter, sister of Nebajoth. And Ada bore Eliphaz to Esau and Basemath before Reuel. And Aholabimamath bore Jeush. And Jalam and Korah, and these were the sons of Esau who were born to him in the land of Canaan. It sounds to me, although I can barely pronounce the names, it sounds to me as if Esau was blessed 
with wives and, and children. But we need to know this. Number one, familial success is not the same as God's blessing. Regarding his marriage and regarding his children, regarding his marriage, Esau knew that God didn't want his people to intermarry with the pagan peoples of the land of Canaan. That's not a point of ethnic discrimination. It's not a point of racial division, but the practice of religious separation. God warned Israel that foreign wives would turn their hearts away from him to other gods. We could cite Solomon in Solomon's experience. Nonetheless, verse number two there says that Esau took his wives from the daughters of Canaan regarding his wives. Then regarding his children in the ancient world, the bearing of children was a standard of success. A man with with children was thought to be blessed by God. A woman without children was thought to be cursed by God. And so we might be quick to conclude here early on that Esau was blessed because of his wives and because of his children. But folks, note this, getting married And having children does not necessarily mean that you are blessed by God. What are the characteristics of the ungodly civilizations early before the great flood in Noah's day in Genesis chapter 6 is that the people were marrying and they were having children, but God's blessing was not upon them. In fact, God's judgment fell upon them in the great deluge, the flood of of Noah's day. Verse number 6. Then Esau took his wives, his sons and daughters, and all the persons of his household, his cattle and all his animals and all his goods, which he had gained in the land of Canaan, and he went to a country away from the presence of his brother Jacob, now Israel. For their possessions were too great for them to dwell together, and the land where they were strangers could not support them because of their livestock. So Esau dwelt in Mount Seir. Esau is Edom. It sounds to me like Esau was blessed with great prosperity. But what we need to know, number two, is material success is not the same as God's blessing. Think about this for a moment. Jacob cheated Esau out of his birthright and blessing and became the primary beneficiary of his father's wealth. But as it turned out, Esau didn't need those things because he was able to pull himself up by his bootstraps. He was able to become a self-made man. In fact, when Jacob and Esau had that, that family reunion back in chapter 33, you might remember how that Jacob had brought excessive and, and expensive gifts to Esau, but Esau declined those gifts in Genesis 33 verse number nine saying I have enough my brother keep what you have for yourself Esau had gained material success and there's no shame in being wealthy in fact many people of God over the course of human history have been wealthy however there is danger in equating God's blessing with material prosperity for in fact your wealth may be Satan's curse Your material prosperity may compel you to turn away from the Lord or move away from the Lord. That was the problem for the rich man in Luke chapter 12. Jesus spoke a parable saying this, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater and there I will store all my crops and goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward toward God. Of course, Jesus rebuked the church at Laodicea in the book of Revelation for boasting. They, They said, I am rich. I have become wealthy. I have need of nothing. 
And so we need to be careful to note that material prosperity is not the same as God's blessing. Familial success, married, kids, whatever the case, not necessarily the same as God's blessing. Material prosperity or success, not necessarily the same as God's blessing. You come to verse number nine and the following have an expansion now on the genealogies of Esau beyond his five sons and beyond his 10 grandsons. If you look with your eyes at verses 15 through 18 without my reading them, you look there. Esau's grandsons became chiefs or, or heads of their tribes so that verse number 19 sums it up. These were the sons of Esau who was Edom, who was Edom and these were their chiefs. In the same way, look at verses 20 through 30. Without my reading them, there were even more chiefs among Esau's descendants. And if it isn't enough to be a chief of a tribe, look at verse 31. Now these were the kings who reigned in the land of Edom before any king reigned over the children of Israel. The, the point is this. Before Jacob, now Israel, the children of Israel, before Jacob's descendants had any positions of power, Esau's descendants were chiefs and kings. And, and we didn't complete the reading of it, verses 15 through 30, but your eyes can see there their positions of authority and power. And when Esau's descendants were chiefs and kings, where were Jacob's descendants? Where were the children of Israel? They were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. Imagine being one of the children of Jacob, one of the children of Israel. You're living in Egypt. You're serving as a slave to Pharaoh. And you're hearing about Esau's sons, Esau's grandsons, Esau's descendants in Edom or in Seir. You're hearing about their success, their prosperity, their political power. These are your cousins, if you will, in the land of Eden. And that would have been a difficult pill to swallow. Because to you, it would appear that God was blessing them and not you. But we need to know this, number three, political success is not the same as God's blessing. Folks, the story of Esau, who is Edom, the story of Esau in the Edomites, the descendants of Esau, appears to be a story of success, familial success, material success, political success. But just because the wicked rule and reign in the moment doesn't mean that God's blessing is upon them and it doesn't mean that God won't fulfill his promises to, to bless his people who are suffering. I know your notes are complete. The outline was simple this morning, but you might jot in the, the margin. Psalm 2 verse 4 reminds us, Psalm 2 verse 4 reminds us that God sits in the heavens and laughs at the kings of the earth and the political rulers who take counsel together against the Lord. The Bible says that God holds them in derision. You might jot down Daniel 2, verse 21, Daniel 4, verse 17. Daniel 2, 21 and Daniel 4, verse 17 tells us that God removes kings and raises up kings for God is the ruler over mankind and gives authority to whoever he will. So don't confuse temporal political success as God's blessing. We're tempted to do this even today. God would bless our country if those people were in power 
And certainly if these people are in power, why is God blessing them? Not the case necessarily at all from our perspective. All of these people in Genesis 36 died. They're dead. They're gone. And you can read about it in verses 32 to 39. If you let your eyes scan there, we have a record now of their death. These sons and grandsons of Esau, these descendants of Esau, the Edomites, these chiefs and these kings, folks, they're dead and they're gone. So what do we do with Genesis 36? It's always the so what question we ask when we read the scripture. So what? What is this teaching us? We might ask, how does Genesis 36 conclude? In the same way that Genesis 36 began. In fact, five times in Genesis 36, the Bible tells us that Esau is Edom. Verse 1, verse 8, verse 9, verse 19, and verse 43. Look at verse number 1 with me again. Now, this is the genealogy of Esau, who is Edom. Okay? We could look at verse 8, 9, 19, but look at the end of verse 43. The end of the chapter. Esau was the father of the Edomites. Now here is the insight, the takeaway for us this morning. This is the important data point for us this morning. The rest of biblical history records that Esau's descendants, the Edomites, were hostile to the children of Israel and her God. History reports that Esau and the Edomites were successful Wildly successful, but they were the most successful failure because they opposed the people and the person and the purposes of God. Turn with me now. Your notes are complete. Never mind them. Turn with me to the Old Testament book of Obadiah. How about that? If you can find it. The Old Testament book of Obadiah, perhaps a place that you, you seldom go in your reading of the scripture. Obadiah. The, the message of Obadiah was a message of judgment upon Edom, the descendants of Esau. And I wish we had time to trace the conflict and the struggle that began between Jacob and Esau in their mother's womb in Genesis 25. We remember that. But for centuries, Esau's descendants, the Edomites, warred against God's people, Israel. You've now made it to Obadiah. Obadiah chapter number 1. Follow this, Obadiah chapter 1. The vision of Obadiah, the prophet. Thus says the Lord God concerning who? Concerning Edom. This is the descendants of Esau from Genesis 36. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom. We have heard a report from the Lord, and a messenger has been sent among the nations, saying, Arise and let us rise up against her for battle. Behold, I will make you small among the nations, Edom, Edomites, you shall be greatly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You who dwell in the clefts of the rock in the safe places, whose habitation is, is high and exalted and promoted. You who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? It's a rhetorical question. I can't be toppled. I can't be reduced. Though you ascend as high as, as the eagle, verse number four, and though you set your nest among the stars... From there I will bring you down, says the Lord. Stop there. You read Genesis 36, 
Esau, his sons, his grandsons, the chiefs, the kings, all of their success while Israel is in Egypt for 400 years suffering slavery. It appears that the Edomites are successful because they have God's blessing, but not the case. They were proud of their success, but God's blessing is not upon them. Look at verse 5, Obadiah 1 verse 5. If thieves had come to you, if robbers by night, oh how you will be cut off. Would, you, would they have not stolen till they had enough? If grape gatherers had come to you, would they not have left some gleanings, just the leftovers for you? Oh how Esau shall be searched out. I think the ESV says pillaged. How his hidden treasure shall be sought after. All the men in your confederacy shall force you to the border. The men at peace with you shall deceive you and prevail against you. Those who eat your bread shall lay a trap for you. No one is aware of it. Will I not in that day, says the Lord, even destroy the wise men from Edom and understanding from the mountains of Esau? Then your mighty men, O Timon, shall be dismayed to the end that everyone from the mountains of Esau may be cut off by slander. You see, what's happening here is Edom's arrogance in her success led her to complete humiliation. And under the almighty hand of God, Esau's wealth and strength would be crushed. Look at verse number 10. For violence against your brother Jacob... We know him as Israel and his descendants, the children of Israel. Because Esau, because Edomites, because you were against my chosen people, shame shall cover you, verse 10, and you shall be cut off forever. Now, as successful as Esau's descendants were once upon a time, God's blessing was not upon them. And that's hard for us. Sometimes we equate success with God's blessing. But now the Edomites are extinct as a people group while God has and while God will continue to preserve his people, the children of Israel or Jacob, as he promised. It's a remarkable lesson from history. Now, In conclusion, just a couple minutes remaining, I want to connect one more dot for you. It's an important insight. By the time we come to the pages of the New Testament era, the rise of the Roman Empire, and uh, the Greek language being common in the known world, Esau's descendants, the Edomites, from the land of Eden, Edom, from Seir, the Mount Seir, they became known in Greek as the Edomians. Edomites, Edomians. The most successful of the Edomite or the Edomians at that time was a man by the name of Herod the Great, king of Judah. He was the one who ordered the massacre of all of the baby boys in Bethlehem. Herod the Great had a son, another Edomite, another Edomian named Herod Antipas. Herod Antipas is the one who beheaded John the Baptist. Herod Antipas also wanted to kill Jesus, according to Luke 13, verse 31. Herod Antipas is the one who sent Jesus to Pilate. Herod Antipas, son of Herod the Great, the Edomite, the Edomian, the great, 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 great grandson of Esau, had a motto for his reign. History tells us these things, and this was his motto. What will it profit me? 
You see, success was his life goal. And just like Esau or Edom, just like the Edomites or the Edomians, Herod Antipas might have achieved success by every human standard. But he failed in the worst way, folks. He failed to acknowledge God. He failed to follow after God. He failed to accept God's son as the promised seed from Jacob. So what did Jesus say? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? Folks, people and nations will rise And peoples and nations will rage against God, the God of heaven, and his son, the anointed one. It may appear that the peoples of this earth are successful by every worldly standard. However, the story is still being written. Or the story has already been written. Jesus shall reign, you see. And true success will be embodied in the Messiah when he comes. God's blessing upon us cannot be measured by familial, material, political success. Rather, God's blessing is is when he purposes and promises to redeem us for himself. In fact, that's really what begs the question this morning. Well, then what is God's blessing? I would offer it to you here from Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. In his grace, even his common grace, he gives us material blessings and physical blessings, but spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. Folks, this is the blessing of God upon us according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace. You say, Pastor, how can I know God's blessing on my life? It's right here. It's the gospel. It's because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his shed blood purchasing our forgiveness and him making us his own. God chose Jacob over Esau. God chose the children of Jacob, children of Israel we call them, over the children of Esau. And God is inviting you as well to be adopted into his family by faith, redemption, through his blood. Spiritual salvation is God's blessing. Folks, the nations are going to rage. The peoples of this world will be successful, but it's not the same as God's blessing. The Edomites, the most successful failure. Let's pray. God in heaven, thank you for this history. Lord, it's history that teaches us powerful truths about who you are, about your purposes and plans. Lord, woe to us if we're successful in this life, but failure in death because we reject you and we refuse your son. I pray, Lord, that you would draw anyone to to yourself who's here this morning who's uncertain of their relationship with you through Jesus Christ. For I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.